Several years ago, the uh, students in a particular class at Hannibal LaGrange University were getting ready for their final exam. And uh, they, were, they were really working hard to get all of the, uh, the information, you know, that last minute cram so they could be ready for the test. And in fact, when the uh, students were walking into the classroom, everyone was really quiet. They had their, their notes out, they were reviewing. And, and when the professor came in, he could tell they were, they were very nervous about the test. And so he took a few minutes to talk with them about ma- the material. They kind of worked through some of, the, uh, some of the topics. And finally he said, okay, well, now we're going to have to uh, to get to the test. And so he, he handed it out, and it was face down. And so he said, whenever I give you the instruction, I want everybody to turn it over at the same time so that everyone has a, the same amount of, of time to, uh, to complete the test. And as soon as he gave the word and they turned it over, they were shocked because on each of their tests, their name had already been written at the top of the page, and the exam had already been completely filled out. Every page of the exam had all of the answers written in, and the, the students just started looking at each other like, what is going on? And uh, here's, here's what the, the professor said. He wrote on the bottom of the last page, this is the end of the exam. All the answers on the test are correct, and you will receive an A on the final exam. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. And all the work you did in preparation for this test didn't help you get the A. You have just experienced, and what word do you think he put there? Grace. Evidently, it had been a rough semester. Rough semester for these students. And they had gone through a lot, and the professor uh, had a bit of compassion. And he wanted to talk to them about it. He said, so tell me, what, what grade did you get in the one of the students said, well, I got an A. Did you deserve that? No, I, I really didn't. I didn't do anything on this test, but somehow I'm getting an A. And he said, well, how, how much did all of the studying for the exam help you achieve your grade? And they began to see where he was going with all this. And he said, some things you learn from lectures, some things you learn from research, but some things you can only learn from experience. And you just experienced grace And he went on to say, 100 years from now, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your name will be written down in a book, and you will have had nothing to do with writing it there. That will be the ultimate grace experience. And one of the students wrote a reflection about that day and how much it meant to her. And I know some of the students out there are going, now, wait a minute, can you tell me the name of that professor? Uh, and I know we've, had, we've got some college professors in our church that are like scratching their head, wondering what, why would they do that? Why would this professor do this? Well, uh, from what I understand, he had never done it before, and he's not done it since. It was just a special situation in which he really wanted to communicate grace. Well, today we're going to continue a message that we began last week. We're going to be thinking about what it means to be made right before God. Means to, what it means to be justified. We, we, uh, we talk about this part of our Christian faith as justification. So we're going to be looking at the practical side of that this morning. Our summer series is called I Believe, Applying Truth to Everyday Life. And each week we've been looking at a special aspect of the Christian faith. We've been focusing on it and saying, what does it mean? 
And then beyond what it means, what difference does it make to the way that I live? How does it change me? And we've had a, a chart that we've used to say, if this is the, 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 the information that we say we believe, this is the faith that we hold to, and this is the life that we live, how can we bring the way we live closer in line to what we say we believe? And as that gets closer and closer, we see that we are growing, growing in our faith, growing in our understanding of, of who God is, but also growing in our, in our Christ-likeness, becoming more and more like him. So that's what we have been seeking to accomplish each Sunday together. We've looked at different aspects of the Christian faith. We started with, what is it that we believe about the Bible? Uh, how do we understand the existence of God? What about the nature of people? Uh, known as the Imago Dei? Uh, what about uh, uh, the holiness of God? Why is that so important? And then from there, we looked at, at the, the doctrine of sin, the nature of sin. And then last week, we began uh, contemplating this idea of being made right with God, this idea of justification or being declared right. In fact, you could see that this is really the pinnacle of the gospel message, uh, that, that one would be able to, to, to answer that question, how can I be made right before God? How can I have assurance for when this life is over? In fact, I said last week, I think every people throughout every culture, throughout every age, they have looked to see, how can I be right before God? You look at even some of the false deities, the, the Greek gods and Roman goddesses, all of the different attempts of people trying to make sure that they were right before God. There's just a need within each of us. But by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can be assured that we have been justified. In fact, that's what we've been singing about this morning, over and over again, just contemplating and reflecting on the fact that Jesus did pay it all, that he did the work. And it's been attributed or credited to our account so that we can be viewed through God's eyes as righteous. I want to take a minute and, and recap the first point from last week. If you have been with us through the summer months, you know that really we've just had two points each week. We've been looking at, at a particular belief. What is it? What does it mean? How do we understand it? And then the second point is really the so what. So what difference does it make? What, what difference does it make in, uh, in my everyday life? And so we're going to very briefly look at the first one. We looked at this last week, what it means to be declared right before God. And this really is understanding the doctrine of justification. This is understanding uh, what it means to be declared right before God. And we, we, we made several brief descriptions. We looked at a lot of different scripture passages to really, to really understand this. It, it, uh, uh, when one is, is justified, it means that they are in a right standing before God. They, it is the opposite of condemnation. Uh, instead, it's, it's emphasizing forgiveness. Uh, it comes not because we've earned it, but because it's a free gift that's been received. And it's so important. If you just think about the, the religions of the world, so many of them are doing what? They're trying to put people on a path to, to earn their way or deserve their way to God, to deserve his favor. And, and yet the gospel is just the opposite. The gospel is God doing that work on our behalf and giving it to us as a free gift. Now, now it was a costly gift, right? Because Jesus gave his life at the cross, but it's one that is freely received. And oftentimes when we think of justification, we think about what he did on the cross, that, that he paid the penalty for our sins. But we also need to remember that it was because he first lived a righteous life. 
It's important that we understand Jesus never sinned. Yes, he was tempted, but he lived a perfect life in our place so that when he went to the cross, he could be that substitute and he could take the penalty of our sin upon himself. But do you remember the way the rest of that exchange works? His righteousness is credited to us. So if he had not lived a righteous life, the gospel would not have ever been possible. We also said that it is something that only happens when one is in Christ, meaning that there is a time that you're outside Christ and there's a time that you are in Christ. And so I encourage each of us to look back, to reflect on our own lives and, and remember, where was there a time or when was that time that, that, that you understood what it meant to trust in the grace of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we looked at this verse last week. It says in verse 21, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I remember when I read that last week, I said, you know, there may be days that we don't feel like the righteousness of God, right? Uh, we, we know that it's, it's true because God said it's true and it's true about us because it was true about Christ. And, and so it's his righteousness that God is seeing in our lives. Now, we are still sinners. We still struggle with the sin nature. This side of eternity, that, that battle will continue. However, we know that that is, is how we are viewed by God because of the doctrine of justification in our lives. So that was a quick summary. And now we ask, well, how does that make a difference on Monday morning? What difference will that make in the way that I'm a parent or I'm a student or how I will live my life in the, in the coming week? And I want us to, to begin by picking up where we left off last week. We, we emphasize that idea of being in Christ, and that really is a new identity. And that new identity brings about a whole new perspective. It brings about a whole new life when one understands that I've been justified by, by God in Christ. I now have a whole new way of looking at this world, a new way of looking at God, looking and understanding at myself as well. It changes everything. In fact, Paul Tripp said the doctrine of justification doesn't just explain the means by which you have forgiveness and acceptance with God, but it also comes with a warehouse of right here, right now blessings that change everything about how you live your life. So this morning, we're going to see how it plays out in a very practical way. I want to begin in the book of Galatians chapter 2. And as we read verse 20, I want us to see that it describes what's happened to us. It describes past, it describes present condition, but it also has a word about the future, about how one will live in Christ. Look at it with me. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I know this is probably a familiar passage to many, but just stop and reflect upon what is being communicated here. This is a verse that really packs a punch. It's saying, I'm no longer who I was because Christ now lives in me. My old life has been crucified. It's been nailed to the cross. It's been buried. And now in Christ, I have a what? A brand new life. This is what it means 
This is what it means when one comes to faith in Christ. In fact, last week when we were watching uh, five people baptized, and in, by the way, we have more. They're going to be baptized this upcoming Sunday. It's very exciting to see. But one of the pictures of baptism is that the old life is buried and that one has a new life in Christ. And that's what is being explained here. This is talking about the past, that my old life is over. It's dead. It's buried. But it also makes a declaration about a present reality, that Christ lives in me. And so at the point of justification, when someone is saved, it's at that point that Christ indwells them. And boy, does that make all the difference. That makes the difference in the way I now see this world, how I see myself, how I understand what life is all about, because Christ is living in me. New thoughts, new desires, and yes, new actions, because Christ is at work. It's interesting that we, that we see this because it's not a call for us to reform ourselves. Instead, it's making a statement that Christ, who has rescued me, is now transforming me. And so that's where we're going to begin to see how our Christian growth is connected to our justification in him. But there's also a future commitment. If you notice the phrase, he says, I live by faith. So he's saying, this is what's happened. This is my past. This is my present. And as I live, I have a commitment to live by faith, an ongoing, forward-looking life of faith. Again, a description of being in Christ. That's where it all begins. And just think about that new identity. Think about the grace of God that is received by faith. And think about what that's achieved. No longer are we enemies of God. We're now adopted into his family. No longer are we, are we uh, going to be punished for those sins. Instead, we've been pardoned. We've been forgiven. We've been given this new life. So all of this takes place when one is justified. And even though at that moment we are declared righteous positionally, we know that there's an ongoing calling, an ongoing call to grow in righteousness as we walk with God. So the first aspect of this that I want us to, to consider this morning is to remember the new identity. We're going to read from the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to see a, a wonderful description of what this life in Christ looks like. We're going to read about what it produces. And even, even the young people that are with us that normally would be in kids' church, I encourage you, think through the description here of what, what Peter says life looks like when God is living within you, when Christ is living within you, what he produces. But there's also, as this passage ends, you'll see that it's possible for us to have a moment of forgetfulness. And when that happens, we may, we may not be living with all that Christ has for us, all of the, the strength, all of the tools. So let's begin reading in verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So we just talked about Galatians 2.20, Christ living in me. And now in verse 3 here of 2 Peter 1, it says it's a divine power, and it's everything that's needed. Everything that's needed has been given to us. Verse 4, by these he has given us very great 
and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So again, we see the old nature, we see the old life in comparison with the new nature. In fact, verse 4 calls it the divine nature. And it's, it's right to call it that because it's God's nature at work within us. Now let's keep reading and see what does that look like? What does it produce? Look at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So the faith is the starting point, right? Supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So if we want to ask, what difference does justification make? Here's a beginning list of qualities that the, that the Spirit is at work producing in our lives. And, and what's interesting about this list to me is that it's emphasizing a lot of inner qualities first. You see that? It's talking about faith, goodness, knowledge, it moves on to, to talk even about, about endurance, commitment. These are inner qualities that then will be seen in the words that we say or the, the actions that we have within our lives. Uh, we go on in verse 8, and it says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. I wanted to go all the way to verse 9 because I think there's a picture there, again, of justification, that we've been cleansed of our sins. And so oftentimes, if we, if we get into a mindset, we, we, we could begin thinking like the old ways, or we could begin thinking of like the people around us are thinking, rather than with the knowledge of God and with what he is producing within us. In fact, I would dare to say that when that kind of thinking happens, that's when fear begins to come in. That's when we forget what we've received. We forget the, the power of God that, that we can appropriate in our own lives because he is within us. So there's a lot that's happening here in this passage in chapter 1 of, uh, of 2 Peter. And in fact, we again see that these changes begin on the inside. They have to do with perspective and attitude and commitment. And it's, it's really a description of a gospel identity that is taking root. To say, I'm no longer who I was, this is who I am in Christ but it also recognizes that it is possible for us to forget. It is possible for us to have uh, a time where we are unfruitful, where it's just not working out. And, and again, he's tying it back, I think, to the fact that we are not appropriating the divine power that's spoken of in verse 3. To be able to go back and say, you know, what I need is to focus on Christ in me, to allow his spirit that already indwells me, to allow it to be what strengthens me, to allow it to be what, what guides me by the wisdom of God's word, to combat the fear of, this, of, of, of my circumstance, to know that I'm not alone. All of this 
is tied together to our justification. Again, because that's what is uh, emphasized there in verse 9 when it says that we have forgotten the cleansing from past sins. When that happens, it's almost like we're back in bondage again. It's like we're back in the old ways, the old patterns, the old way of thinking instead of the new way that comes in Christ. So there's a call here to remember the new identity, to appropriate this divine power. Now, you might, you might look at that verse, and you, you see in verse 3, it says that, that we've been given everything that's needed. And you might ask, well, why then would we ever try to do it on our own? Why would we ever wake up on a given, given morning and think, well, hey, I've got this. I think I can do this on my own. Why would we ever think that? There's one word that comes to mind. You know what I think it is? I think it's pride. I think there's pride within that, that at times makes us think we're self-sufficient rather than finding our dependency and our sufficiency in Christ. So this new identity is rooted in humility. This is the key to first seeing a need for the grace of God to justify us in the first place. If you remember the parable we read last week about the Pharisee, Remember, the Pharisee was, was self-justified. He was full of self. He was full of pride. And in the end, was his prayer heard by God? Or was it the tax collector who said, have mercy on me, a sinner? We saw the contrast between pride and humility. And so pride can be a destructive force. Let me just ask you this. Think of all that is missing when pride is present. Does a prideful person exhibit compassion? Does a prideful person extend sympathy or understanding to one in need? Does a prideful person exhibit patience or seek to make peace? Does a prideful person uh, offer forgiveness or self-sacrificing love? You see, that, 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 that's what happens when, when it's pride that takes root all of these things are being kept away. And instead, pride leads us to complain. Pride leads us to blame others. It leads us to be judgmental and condemning of others, to look down and be condescending. All of that is rooted in pride. And that happens when we forget the grace of God. In fact, if I forget the grace of God, how likely am I to extend it to someone else? If I forget that I've been forgiven by God, how likely am I to extend forgiveness to someone else? So that's how being justified connects into the way in which one lives, to be reminded of what Christ has done, to see that strength, that power that is at work within us. You see, when we realize that we've been justified in Christ, it should produce a humility within us. And that affects the way we view ourselves and how we relate to others. And when that isn't the case, we are forgetting our justification in Christ. But it's not just humility. It's also gratitude, that we are motivated by gratitude. Think of it this way. When we understand that we have been declared right before God because of what someone else has done, what would be the appropriate response? thankfulness, right? It's almost like those who turned the paper over and realized, this is an A that I didn't do, but yet it's got my name on it, right? It's being 
attributed, given to me as a free gift. And so when we consider what we've received in Christ, to be loved by God, to be forgiven of our sins, to be pardoned of our guilt, to be adopted into his family, gratitude is the natural response. And so if that's the case, let me ask you, if we just thought about what it looks like when someone's dominated by pride, what's missing? Let me ask you, what does it look like when someone is filled with gratitude? How would you describe the demeanor of someone who is filled with gratitude? Would, they, would you say, they're, oh, they're just being self-focused or they're being self-absorbed? Of course not. You would see that they, they understand that, 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 that Christ has solved their biggest problem. He's rescued them from the penalty of sin. He's given them this new nature, this new life, and that he even lives within to help live it. So here are some words that I think should result. And you can tell me if you agree. How about kindness, compassion? How about sympathy and understanding with someone who's struggling, having a difficult time? Do you think those are words that should be part of the church culture here? kindness, compassion, graciousness? Well, of course they should be. And why is that? It's because we realize what Christ has done for us. If I've been forgiven, I should be quick to forgive. If I've received the grace of God, I, by his strength, should endeavor to live with grace. Again, it's all connected back to him. God has given us his great love. We have received so much in Christ. In fact, there's a verse that, that uh, came to mind as I was preparing the message out of the Gospel of John chapter 1, and it makes this statement. It says in verse 16, Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. And I thought about that, and I've, 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 I've contemplated this verse before because it doesn't just say, that we've received grace from his fullness. Notice it says grace upon grace. Now, how could we understand that? Let's, let's imagine for a moment that, that we made a quick end of summer trip together, did a little field trip, and that we went to the beach. Wouldn't that be great to be on a beach this morning, have a worship service on the beach? I'm sorry we're not there, but that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Well, let's just pretend we're there and we see this big wave crashing on the beach. And we think about that and we're reminded of the grace of God that's come upon us. But that it's not over. Right behind it, there's another wave that crashes and then another. And then we look out in the distance and we see several coming. That is a description, I think, a picture of grace upon grace. And think back in your life from the point at which you first understood the grace of Jesus Christ and over and over again, grace upon grace, upon grace, that's been extended to you, that's been provided for you, that's made itself known in, in a variety of different ways where you're reminded, God, I know I didn't earn this. I know I didn't deserve this. This is a blessing from your hands, and I, I give you thanks for what you're doing. That's a mindset, isn't it? To, to, to count those blessings, to look for those graces that come upon us. And I think that's what, when we think about justification, that's what we're we're talking about in a practical way that when we remember and reflect upon what Christ has done for us, it changes the way we think about ourselves and the way we interact with others. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 says he died for all so that those who live should no longer, what does it say? Live for themselves. Do you see that same language of the old life and the new life? It's here again. And it says, but instead we live for the one who died for them and was raised. Again, another picture of justification. So we now live for a whole different purpose. We live with a whole different set of, of valuing what is right and what is wrong and, and, and how uh, we, we understand eternity versus things that are temporal. It's all changed, and it all happens when we realize what Christ has done. Some have called this a vertical gratitude that transforms the horizontal relationships. And so just think about that. If there's vertical gratitude coming out of a family, how does that affect the relationship between a husband and a wife in a practical way. If there's vertical gratitude, how does that change the way in which siblings interact with one another or how they interact with their parents? You see, it, it all is different because we're living out of humility and gratitude, and these are qualities that stimulate our growth in Christ-likeness. Now, I know we've, we've talked a lot today and last week about justification. But I want to talk a little bit about another one, another word that, that describes growing in Christ, and it's the word sanctification. And I know that we're probably, unless we're talking about the message, we may not use this word again in a sentence over the course of the next week. I realize that. We may not use that word often, but we might use the word spiritual growth or the phrase. We might talk about the idea of growing in Christ. And that's really the overflow of being justified, that we've been justified by Christ, counted as righteous in him. And from there, we are then to live out that righteousness in a progressive way. In fact, the definition that I will offer is this. Sanctifi sanctification is growth in likeness to Christ. It is a progressive work of God and people that makes one more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. And you might be thinking, well, what is the difference between justification and sanctification? Here's a couple of points. First one's this. Justification happens when God declares a guilty sinner to be righteous. Sanctification is when God grows the forgiven sinner in righteousness. And so just think about that distinction. At the moment of salvation, you're justified. And it's at that moment that your sanctification begins. Justification is a one-time declaration. Sanctification is a continual progress. Sometimes we use the word positional versus progressive. Another point, justification releases us from the penalty of sin. The key word there, penalty. Sanctification releases us from the power of sin. Now, isn't that good news? We no longer have to be under the bondage and the burden and the power of sin. In fact, we say that the power of Christ breaks the power of canceled sin, right? Don't we say that? We sing that. We understand that reality that we don't have to be under the, the taskmaster of the sinful nature any longer. Christ has broken that. And because of that, we are able to grow 
in likeness. A little chart that I've put together that has justification on one side and uh, sanctification on the other. If you want just some other descriptions, one's kind of a legal standing. The other is the internal condition that's developing. The once for all, the continuous through life. One is entirely God's work, but the other, notice that, we cooperate. There is a responsibility that we have that Christ wants to do his work in us. You know, I, I'm fully convinced that there are times I can be very stubborn and I can be very disobedient. Anybody else with me or is it just me? Okay, a few of us, a few of us struggle with this. All right, so, so to cooperate with the work of the Spirit as he is, as he is refining us, as he's, as he's growing us. Now, on the justification side, we say that it's, it's perfect, perfection because it's Christ's perfection, Right? And on the sanctification side, we say it's not perfect because we're growing. Not perfection, maybe use the word progression. Now, on one side, it's the same for all Christians. We've all been covered by the, the righteousness of Christ. No status, no level, no difference. But on the other side, there is a difference. And that's because some are growing more than others. Some are, are, are more committed to, to growing in their faith and prioritizing the work of Christ in their lives. So, so there is a personal call of responsibility on this side. Now, I hope we're able to see here the, the practical nature, and I hope that, that you can trace God's work in your life, because even on the sanctification side, we know we need his help. We know that it's his work among us. In fact, let me just give you a couple of other verses before we wrap up. In Philippians chapter 1, it says this, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will do what? Carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That means we are all works in progress, right? None of us are finished yet. God is refining us and shaping us. And even that recognition about myself and about others helps us to be a little more patient with each other, just to know that we are all in progress. But the next chapter, chapter 2, it says in verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. And I wanted to include those, those verses so that we didn't walk out of here thinking it was all up to us. Justification, certainly, all up to God. Sanctification is God at work. Yes, we do need to cooperate in this, but we also recognize that it's his power at work. And it is something that, that really begins from that moment of, 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 uh, of salvation. And I hope that you can look at your life as a timeline, and maybe you can say, here was the time that I came to faith in Christ, and everything that was before that was kind of my BC time, my old nature, my old life, and everything from that point of salvation is my new nature, my new life in Christ, and that you can see growth happening. It's supposed to happen at every aspect from that first point on. I remember when I was a kid, I've told you that I, I was uh, raised in Friendswood, Texas, suburb south of Houston. And uh, every, every Christmas and every summer, we would take a trip to visit my grandparents. 
And they lived in a, on a farm in southeast Kansas. And you can just imagine, my little brother and I, so excited. Every time we got to go up to the farm. And uh, in the wintertime, that meant we might get to see snow, which we never saw in, uh, in, along the Gulf Coast. Or, it would mean in the summertime, we could, we could get out and we could play and uh, ride scooters and just have a lot of fun there on the, on the farm. And uh, my, my grandparents told me that they had air conditioning. Um, I don't remember them ever turning it on. Uh, it was kind of one of those things like, well, yeah, we've got it. And when it gets hot, you know, we might turn it on. Well, my whole life, we never turned on the air. So what that meant is that in the evening, the afternoon, the, the house was usually hotter than it was outside. So, so we'd sit outside and, and, uh, uh, in, the, in the front yard. And, and there was something that, that would happen that was just so amazing to me as a kid. These little flies would fly around and they would light up. These fireflies, right? Lightning bugs. And we, we didn't have those where I grew up. And so I was just, just so amazed by it. I remember one year, my brother and I, we got a jar and we, we caught as many of these little fireflies as we could and put them in a jar, put the lid on with holes poked in it. Okay, just to be clear. And we would just watch these little amazing creatures just, just light up. And it was, it, was, it was just fascinating to me, even to this day, to see them. Maybe if you've seen some time-lapse photography of an area where fireflies have been, I mean, it's just, just amazing. But one thing that, that I learned is that throughout its entire existence, the firefly has the ability to have this luminescence quality. Even in its, in it, before it's a, a fly and its larva, it can light up. Even as an egg, that, that egg can light up. And it, it, it's, it's a real picture for us that at any stage of our Christian journey, from the very beginning all the way through, we have the capacity to be a light for Jesus Christ, to grow in our faith in him at every stage that we, we know we, we never get to the point where we've, where we've finished, where we've got it all together. It's all complete. Every stage we can grow in him. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians chapter five, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So if you're asking this morning, what do we do with the doctrine of justification? That's what we do. We remember that that old life, that old way, the old ways of darkness, they're buried and gone. And in Christ, we now can walk in new life. We can walk in the light of Jesus Christ, knowing that he is within us. So in conclusion, let me ask, are you living from your new life? from your new identity? Or have you been tripped up recently and begun living out of that old identity? Because let's face it, we can do that. And we can start thinking the ways we used to think. And we can look at it all from a very temporal, worldly perspective. But today, I hope that we've been reminded that by the divine power of Christ living within us, we can appropriate that. We can respond to that. We can cooperate with that. And we can live this new life that you and I have been designed to live. And maybe for some of us today, all of this talk of, of being saved and being forgiven, being justified, maybe it's an invitation. Maybe there's some of us here today or some who are watching online that have not yet made that decision. And I want to tell you, the good news is you can make that decision today, right here, right now. You can respond to the grace of Jesus Christ. You can ask him to forgive you of your sins, to be the Lord of your life, and in doing so, becoming a part of his family. That's when that new identity 
takes place. So this morning, if you have a question about that, you'll notice there's a couple of tables on each side of the auditorium, and when the service is over, we'll have some prayer and encouragement team members sitting there. And if you'd like to talk more about what it means to trust in Christ, they would love to talk with you. And after the service is over, I'll I'll be in the lobby. I'd love to talk with you as well. And particularly if you're a guest, I'd love to to meet you in person and get to know you. But for today, the, 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 the decision of response is for each of us on a personal level. And so this morning, why don't we pray? Let's ask God to take his word and to apply it to each of us. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can reflect upon the marvelous gift of being declared righteous. And Lord, we know that we are sinners. We know that we've broken your laws. We know that we stand in a position that would deserve judgment. But because of your great love for us, we know that you came up with another way, that you came up with a rescue plan and sent your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, as we think about that today, we we want to offer words of gratitude to you. Lord, I don't know where I'd be today without the gift of your salvation. And beyond that, you've even allowed your spirit to indwell. And so, Father, I pray that today would be a time in which you would take your word. And as we think about growing in knowledge and growing in in an understanding of who you are, as we think about endurance, Father, I pray that it would be your work within us. Help us, Lord, to cooperate. Help us to even have that longing and that desire to grow more in you put away the things of the world around us. Lord, when those fears creep in, when those doubts creep in, I pray that we would trust in the power of the gospel and that, Father, you would produce within each of us all that we've read about today, compassion, understanding, brotherly kindness and love. Lord, may that in increasing measure be the culture found in our homes, found in our marriages. And may it be found right here in our church family. And may it be a recognition that you are the one at work, that you are the one to be glorified. We pray this now in the mighty name of our Savior, who has justified us from our sin. We pray this in his name, all of God's people said.